Today, I'm very excited to welcome Kevin Tayebali, co-founder of ChangeNow. ChangeNow organizes the largest gathering of change makers in the world. Beside the COPs, it's the biggest event on impact and environment. They manage to do what few events can do, bring together and mobilize different groups with different interests, activists, corporates, entrepreneurs, change makers. They have 35 employees and Kevin is the chief development officer. He takes care of all the relationships with the international delegations, investor relationship. And before Change Now, he has created three companies. No co-founder of Change Now is actually from the event industry. That's probably how they managed to come up with such a new business model and to scale this event so quickly. So today you're going to learn about how to scale with a different innovative approach on partnerships, how to bring together and mobilize these different groups with different interests, and how to influence the system. Kevin, thank you very much for being with us today. How are you? Bonjour, bonjour, and welcome to Mission First, the podcast to learn from successful entrepreneurs changing the world for the better. In this podcast, you will learn from entrepreneurs who have already found product market fit and are scaling up fast. We discuss their challenges and the strategies they have applied to make things work. Think of it as a masterclass about business and product innovation, growth marketing, and leadership. I am Gilles Toussaint. I help mission-driven companies exceed their revenue objectives with growth marketing, product-led growth, and LinkedIn personal branding strategies. So tell me, you are in mission first. What is the mission of Change Now? The goal that we are we're trying to go after is, is really how to accelerate the environmental and social transition of the world. We've seen during the, the Paris Agreement in 2015, that, that the goals are very high, the stakes are very high, and so is the, the urgency that comes with it. But the real question that, that we're trying to find an answer to is, how do we make the transformation from a world that wasn't really not aligned with our planetary boundaries in, in, in its way of, of uh, functioning, to a world that actually takes account and not only takes account, but functions within the scope of our planetary boundaries. And what we've seen in the past great shifts, paradigm shifts that we've seen, like the industrial revolution in the 19th century, for example, is, is that usually when you want to make a big transformation, you need to embark on board all the stakeholders and, and first of them, the private stakeholders, the, the, the businesses. And the idea behind what we've started at first, Change Now, this really big summit, was to use attraction around the Paris Agreement and, and, and the, the ambition of the states uh, to become carbon neutral and, and to reduce the emissions of the world so that we actually reduce and we contain global warming to 1.5 degrees. Basically, our mission was to accompany these, these goals with a great uh, mobilization of the private stakeholders, the private world, the businesses, and so that we actually we find solutions to our goals using business, and so that business doesn't stay just a part of the problem, but becomes a part of the solution. That's the vision behind uh, what we started at the beginning with China, which was to showcase state-of-the-art of innovation related to all the UN goals and, and mainly to four big equations that we're trying to solve, which are climate change, but the loss of biodiversity, the limitness of our resources and the human way to, to organize this transition. So the human factor. And the, the goal with this summit is really to gather all the private stakeholders that are actually using business as a way to solve those, those goals, who have con concrete solutions for our planet and, and humans, and to bring all around those solutions related to the four equations that I, I, I talked about, that, that, you know, ocean and biodiversity preservation, to circular economy, to decarbonization, to sustainable fashion, to education, social, social issues, and, and so on and so forth, to showcase all those solutions and to bring around them all the stakeholders that, that have levels of, of, of influence. So maybe capital, maybe knowledge, talent, media visibility, you name it. And, and we started in 2017 with a, with a small gathering uh, in Paris. Um, and 
the traction has been huge and it became in less than three years the biggest platform in the world after the COPS that is really covering the topic of, of sustainable innovation and, and really showcasing all the solutions that we have and helping to scale them. And it's really the parallel I like to, to make is really the, the COPS are there to show the way forward and the goal. And Change Now is here to show how are we going to attain those goals. So how many people are we talking about at Change Now right now? How many participants? Yeah, I mean, it's, since since we've started, it, it grew quite quickly, and you know, after six editions, we've we've had in the past in the past edition more than thirty five thousand people coming from one hundred twenty countries. It's a very it's really a global platform with more than a thousand C level decision makers, more than twelve hundred investors from all backgrounds, head of states coming, city mayors, lawmakers, and and a lot of entrepreneurs, solution, solution designers, change makers, activists, as, as you mentioned in the introduction, it's, it's a great vibrant moment in the year when all the kind of stakeholders are actually gathering and in a format that is very positive, very positive and, and focused on, on concrete action. And the goal is really here to not just to, uh, to show that it's urgent to act, because yes, it's urgent to act. But it's also to inspire and to, and to show the participants that uh, all of us actually are actors of change. We all have a role to play in our um, condition of citizens, of uh, wives and husbands, uh, of, of as children, or or, or a father of or wife, or obviously as a as a professional. And and it's really to to give courage and to give uh, motivation to all the stakeholders that are coming and attending the summit and to show them that it's actually there's hope, there's urgency, but there's also hope. And that, that through collaborations, through multi-stakeholder collaboration, with the use of, of coalition alliances, we're going to be able to shift this system. Because I think that the common understanding is that no one alone is able to shift a system. But I think when we gather all the right stakeholders together and we make them work together, that, that's how we make progress. And that, that's what we're here for. How many co-founders are you and from which backgrounds are they? So actually Change Now is, a, is the third company um, I've started. And at Change Now, we are, we are three, three co-founders, Santiago, Rose, and, and myself. And before, when, you know, when, as, as far as the other companies I started are concerned, I actually launched the, the two other organizations with one, one single partner. So I was, we were two with the first one, which was uh, actually an NGO and not, not another business, but an NGO in India related to um, the, the topic we were trying to, to cover was cultural education in, in, in less privileged areas, in slums, in, in, in orphanages, uh, and in, yeah, in, in very difficult parts of, of the city of Mumbai. And we were two behind this project. And then the second, the second project I launched a few years later in Paris was in the tech, actually, ecosystem. I was actually fascinated by the, the incredible scalability that comes with the tech world and coming from a, a previous experience working at a very local level in Dubai, fundraising and, 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 uh, and, and trying to bring change at a very local level. I wanted, after this experience, to actually work on a project that actually can, can reach scalability very quickly. And I launched uh, an e-commerce platform with another person that I actually met during my MBA at INSEAD uh, with this idea of, of helping to digitalize all the stakeholders in e-commerce that are actually far from digitalization. So the, all the local merchants, all the small stakeholders that don't have the digital heaviness uh, of, you know, to, to help protect the diversity of the stakeholders that you can find in the local, local neighborhoods, in the big cities in the world, and, and try to help the, the bookmakers and, 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 and the local shops to survive because in the face of globalization and, and the big tech platforms that we know today, we know it, it's very difficult for them to survive and we wanted to, to, to help them to do the, just that. So do, those are the two previous projects that I launched. But what's interesting is that besides these this two entrepreneurship experiences, I think the, the, the journey that I went through since I started my career, I also worked in consulting. I worked in the in the in the finance, in the VC world as well, and in tech. It's it's really this re realization that that on the one hand, you know, between two thousand seven and, and two thousand fourteen, those were my my uh, 
seven, eight first years of experience. I always felt that, that something was lacking, whatever the experience I had. When I worked in the business world, I felt that it was a very dry environment, lacking a, lacking a sense of purpose behind it. While I was, when, I, when I was working in the philanthropic or NGO world, I felt, I felt that this ecosystem was lacking means and, and a little bit of business and professional sense. And I really wondered for years, you know, why, why can't we have the two to combine together? Why do we have to, to, to oppose the philanthropic, philanthropic world, which is trying to save the, the world? If I make a shortcut. And on the other end, the business side that is actually very efficient, but actually harming a lot. And so 2014 is the year I actually went to, uh, to do my MBA at INSEAD. And that's when I actually started researching what we call at the time, I mean, what, that we, what we still call ops and all the alternative ways to, to run businesses today. You have a, a, quite a few movements like Entreprise à Mission in France. You've got a big hop movement, which is very famous in the US and that, that has gotten a lot of traction in Europe now. You also have steward-led companies in Germany and in um, quite a few other countries. In 2023, we've seen quite a few alternative ways of doing business blossom and mature. And that, that was, that's the topic that I was really interested in, uh, in, uh, in back in, back in uh, 2014, 2015. How do we basically make the two converge, philanthropy and, and business? And how, do we, how can we use business as a way to, as a force for good and as a way to solve our, our issues? Because what's, what's interesting behind the, the business world is that with an economic model, with a business model, you can actually find long-lasting, sustainable impacts because you have a model behind it to sustain that, that positive impact. While in the philanthropic world, uh, if you don't have a, a, a business model, you will rely mainly on donations and, and it's, it becomes this in itself. Is not something that, that can help you have a, a long-lasting impact because you're re relying on uh, external donors. Your activity in itself is not generating revenues. So that's why I, I find this this uh, say this uh, this path of of businesses that are actually run differently in a much more I would say impact-driven way. I find this this path really interesting. And I think that's the way of the future. Yeah. So with, with change now, you manage to combine basically impact and scalability and, and, and business. What, what's the current like business model of at, uh, at change now? And how, how have you came up with that model? It's a business because we want to show that business can be part of the solution. So obviously we, we didn't want to be an NGO because we wouldn't be proving the point we we're trying to be, to make. So the question was to, to reach the, the, mag the magnitude and of, of the scale that is, that is necessary to, to reach our goals. We need to, to have a, a business model that works with the ambition that we have and the ambition, but I'm not just saying ambition uh, as an entrepreneur, but ambition related to the urgency of the situation that we're in right now, because, uh, it's not a 1.5 degree trajectory that we are on right now. It's rather a 2.8 trajectory. So we are in a very difficult situation with the business. I mean, the world has taken a lot of, is, is, is late. The system is not shifting fast enough. So we need to be ambitious with, in the way we, we try to, sh to shape and, and change the system. So for that, we need, we need means. And a big question for us was how do we, how do we grow and scale without losing our DNA and without losing our values? Because our model is very simple. It's a big summit. It's, so three business models are, we rely on corporate partnerships and, and public partnerships. And then the second one is the, the ticketing, the audience who is, which is coming is, is paying a ticket. And because of, of our ambition to make those topics become more mainstream and, 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 and we want them to be, you know, in the, in, in, in the minds of everyone, the tickets are not very expensive contrary to all the previous conference conferences that existed in the world on sustainability, where you had to pay a couple of thousand of euros or pounds to, to attend. 
change now, you know, it starts at 15 euros, sometimes even less if you, if you, if you are jobless. So ticketing is one uh, business model, but it is, it's not contributing uh, that much. And then, and then the third one is the exhibitors, the solutions that we're showcasing also contribute because we're, we're exposing them, exhibiting them and they, they, they get a lot of ROI because we, they get to meet a lot of very interesting leads for the business and, and so they contributed as well. But the main, the, main, the main business model is the reliance in corporate partnerships. So obviously, if you do this, it means that as you scale, you're going to need to get much more money. And if you need much more money, uh, because the, the budgets are not the same, the, the venues that we're looking at are very big, very, very important. And we're at the Grand Palais and the Grand Palais Ephemera in, in the past few years. Those are very expensive venues and, and, and incredible venues. And so it means, it means that we need to find partners that have the means to support us. And, and usually these partners are not necessarily and, and far from it. And they, they, there's a lot that they can be criticized on. Our role is to show to show how the business industry, the corporate, the corporate stakeholders are actually shifting and acting and also participating in this transformation because without them, you can't have that transformation. Where there is friction is that you want to show only the, the stakeholders that are really, really innovative and, 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 and bold, but usually those stakeholders don't have the same means as other corporate leaders. And you also need means to, to achieve your, your, your mission. So we've been wondering, you know, how do we do this so that we're able to grow without losing our DNA, our values, and without entering in the, in the space of greenwashing and, and harming our reputation as well. And, and so we've been very, I think, very innovative in, in this because we, since the very beginning, we've been selecting, we've been selecting our partners based on their, uh, on their concrete concrete actions and and the latest thing that we've done is, is it's not only that we're working with the best in class stakeholders in every every industry that the latest thing that we've done is that we've we've used our position as the the major platform in the world when it comes to sustainable, sustainable innovation we've used that 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 position to actually influence the corporate stakeholders and to push them to accelerate their decarbonization plans. Because whatever you do as a, as a, as a company today, whether small, medium, or big, whatever you do for the world, if you don't have a decarbonization plan that is aligned with the Paris Agreement, you're not doing your part. You need to have businesses, and, and obviously, first of all, major businesses, they need to have plans to reduce their emissions that are aligned with the Paris Agreement and certified by a third party. So what we've done last year is that we were the first global event to announce that it was mandatory starting from 2024. It's mandatory for all our uh, partners to have a, a third party certification that testifies that their carbon reduction plants are, yes, aligned with the Paris Agreement. So we use third-party uh, tools like the uh, Science-Based Target uh, Initiative, which is the, the, the major certifying standard today in the world, but we have also other, other tools that we, that we look at. And then, and then we also look at rating system that, that, that analyze the performance of the companies, the, the corporate partners, their, their impacts are not only on carbon, but also on the pressure points that they have on water usage and also on deforestation. And then we have also a team that is analyzing qualitative uh, the, the government model and the social, the social, the social relationship, the relationship with, between the, the company and, and the way it addresses uh, social issues. So it's a global, it's a global overview and an analysis of what, what the, the companies is is actually concretely doing on the ground to, to address and accelerate on its uh, own uh, sustainable transformation. But what's really, I think, innovative and, 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 and bold in a way is that we've made, made it mandatory for our partners to be, to be Paris aligned on, on their carbon trajectory. And that's, that's very important because we are, we actually, we've, 
we we're gonna have to refuse, and we've already had to refuse a lot of propositions from 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 partners. Not only because of this, but also sometimes because we felt that the partners weren't the, the, the companies that were coming at us were not necessarily the best in class examples. So we've had a lot of arbitrage for years. Every year we've had to refuse a lot of money <laughs> um, to preserve the reputation and the brand and the DNA of Change Now. And that's I think that's something that is very important for any kind of entrepreneur. If you have the chance to have a company that is finding success and that, that is growing, you need to make sure that you don't lose the values on which your company was based on. You can trust me on, on this. We've had to take very hard decisions and we've had tensions. We have we had confrontation within the teams because we we're not necessarily everyone was agreeing on the decision we made. But in the end, I know for sure that the, the partnership that we've refused, that was the, the right decision. Because in the long in the, in the long haul, in the long term, we know that we're we're doing the right thing. If this podcast helps you, please do me a huge favor and click on the follow button on your podcast platform. It helps to grow this podcast faster and to convince the most impactful entrepreneurs of the world to join me in these interviews so that you and other entrepreneurs can learn from them. And we know that this is actually fuel for change now because it's, it's fueling our, our reputation, our, our ability to attract the right stakeholders, to attract you know, meaningful and, 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 and really driven stakeholders around the platform, which brings a lot of sincerity, which brings all the experience and the feeling that when you are a change now, you're experiencing something unique, which creates the experience and, and which is what, what makes people come back every year. And we know that even if we lost some money at some point on the short term, we know that in the long term, it's serving out what we're here for. So that's my advice is to never compromise on, on values along the way. Even if we all know that when you scale, you have, you have more resources, more stakeholders, more people, more employees, and you need to make sure that the values that you started the company with are maintained with the new additions that, that come in the company and that you're able to have a transmission of those values from the more senior and, and ancient employees to the, to the new ones. And you make, need to also to make sure that the people that you recruit are, are aligned with these values and that they don't actually change the line that you're, that you're on if it's the right line that you want to invest and in, in the future. So that, that's, culture is, is super important. And I think that's, that's one way, one, one key way to make sure that scalability doesn't change necessarily the impact and the trajectory of your company. For those who would like to start something or to learn something from starting an event like yours and, and including this partnership and being very selective of them, what was the hardest part at the beginning with this partnership besides the, what you already explained, the, the filtering part and being able to say no? Because what do partners get from, from partnering with you at Change Now. Let's start with what, what do they get and what was the hardest part for you at the beginning? The hardest part was to start and to convince people that what we were doing was different from what, what existed and that, that actually we were making a difference. So at first, the hardest part was to, to get partners. When I look at our experience, it's a multi-step approach here. At first, it's to get partners. And as you grow, you need more partners, but you also need to, you need the right ones. So how do you select your partners and on which criteria, which I explained before, and how do you make sure that they, that they don't change the nature and the intention that you have behind the platform? So what, what they get is that they get access, they get, they get, they get the possibility of, of sharing what they're doing. It's a platform where they can you know, communicate to a, a larger audience. But it's also a, play, a place where they can learn a lot and they can learn, they can, they can engage with the stakeholders, their collaborators, their, their leaders, their suppliers, their clients. And what's interesting is in the past six years, we really went from a, in a situation where A, it was hard to find partners, B, when, they, when we had partners, mainly it was about communication. And now we've come to a place where they understand that it's actually it's not about that. It's, it's really about how do we use change now as a platform 
to celebrate the change that we're making and to accelerate on our own trajectory, on our own, on our, uh, on our own sustainable transformation path. And how do we use the platform to convince the people that we still need to be convinced? And that's really interesting because now our partners, they are not just partners who are, who are supporting financially, they are allies. They are allies and, and, and we're giving them a role which is really to use their influence, to use their, their, their network and, and their capabilities to accelerate the, trans, the, transform, the sustainable transformation of the world which is like a, a, a company in the, in, the, in the fashion industry or the, or the cosmetic industry, well, knows a lot of influencers and, and, and stakeholders, role models that, that are very well known in the, by the public. If they bring them and those stakeholders that are not necessarily sustainability experts, but come and change now and have a, an incredible experience and, and come back home different and, and, and come back home understanding that they, as influencers, can also be be part of this movement and and positively influence the world and become climate ambassadors. For example, our impact is huge, and it's not change now. It's impact. It's our partners' impact here. So what's really interesting is now now after six years, we went from a phase where we had to hunt for partners to a phase where we're selecting them and we're giving them a role. Uh, this is also giving giving purpose to their own participation and to this partnership in itself. The partnership in itself is creating positive value for the world. It's not just an exchange of services between, between two companies that are exchanging, exchanging goods or services. Here is a partnership, it's an alliance that is creating positive value for the world. And that's, that's what I really, really find fascinating is that we've been able to, to get there in, after six years. And I'm really excited to see what we're going to be able to achieve in the next six years because now that we have a trusted relationship with them and that we have partners that are as excited and sometimes as bold or even bolder than us, it's, it's really exciting to see that uh, um, with their strengths and their influence, we can really shift a lot of mindsets and scale the number of mindsets that we shift during the three days of the summit every year. Yeah, so I see your partnership, the partners are not only like being a sponsor on the page and being mentioned, you give them options to organize your learning expeditions or like host an event, exhibit their you know, the, the solution, but also connect with the delegations, organize uh, an award ceremony or workshop. The interesting part is when you say the hardest was at the beginning to get them. So what is the advice that you would get, you'd give to someone with starting how how did you manage at the time you being three co-founders starting there who ha were not from the event industry how did you manage to convince the few first partners because there's always this problem with with marketplaces or these kind of things where you're not big but you need someone you need partners to become big so how did you manage that it was a mix for us i'm not necessarily uh, saying that it's going to be the same for everyone but as far as we are concerned, I think the intention and the sincerity really helped at first. You could feel that what we were trying to achieve was very, um, very success-less driven, but was really to bring support to an ecosystem of stakeholders, the impact ecosystem, to get more strength, get more visibility. We launched it to help all the social entrepreneurs, the change makers of the world, to get their own platform to be to become more visible. And I think. The nature of the product really helps. If, if the people feel that you're really in this, you're passionate about what you're doing, and you're really trying to solve an issue, and you're, you're covering a topic that is important and that is actually important for the, for the partner, I think that's, that's a very important box that you're ticking. And then I think also the topic when we started in 2017 was not mainstream it was not you know climate change we i think we we had attraction of the paris agreement people heard about it they knew it was something that needed to be dealt with so the timing was a little bit early but it was not too early and it was not too late as well so the timing was very important so 2017 when we started we were still a little bit early but when we reach the scale that we needed to make a difference. 
the timing was perfect because it was end of 2019, early 2020. 2019, it was during the summer 2019, it was 40, 44, 45 degrees in Paris and in Europe. It was very, very dry and hot summer. And then, and then all the journalists, the media started talking about it, about, about climate change. And that's, that was a perfect timing for us because that's actually the year, you know, January, January 2020, just before the COVID crisis hit. That's actually when we had decided to scale and, and, and go to the Grand Palais and organize this giant summit for change makers on, on, on climate and all the other UN goals. And uh, so it was, it was a perfect time. So obviously the partners were convinced it was the right topic and the right time to join on board. So I would say, I would say passion. I would say uh, sincerity. I would say making sure that you're actually solving a real problem. And then I would say timing and a little bit of luck as well, because I have to say we, we were lucky because the third edition, January 2020, that was just a few weeks after the Yellow Vest movement and just a couple of days, weeks before the COVID crisis hit. So I have to say sometimes when, we, when I talk about it with my, with my co-founders and the team, it, 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 it's almost like it was meant to happen because there was, you know, just, we chose that date like almost two years before and uh, with the, the team of the Grand Palais and we had no clue that what happened was going to happen. That was a little bit of luck there as well. So, and you need it in entrepreneurship also. Yeah, I mean, luck, luck, timing and luck is something you can't control, but when you're passionate and if you are putting a lot of energy behind it, that increases the chance that luck is behind the door. Maybe one, one last aspect. I would also say that the brand is very strong because it's, it's actually a call for action. It's a proposition that no one can refuse. It's, it's almost universal. When you talk about change now, it's something that any single person can actually... Uh, you mean the name, change the name, now? The concept of change now. We want change now. I think it's also a proposition that no one can refuse. And I think every, everyone, when we talk about, when we talked at the, about the idea and the concept behind it, every single person could actually associate herself, himself, with the concept. The universality of the concept behind change is something that also, I think... I totally agree. Let's talk about the second part, uh, about the, the scaling part of this. What are the advice you would have on, to scale such an event from the 2023 right now? You scaled a lot. So what have you learned on the way? What are the strategies you use to scale, uh, whatever it comes to marketing, growth in general? And then what are the things we should take into account or the, 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 when, when scaling that you've learned on the way that, are, that might be difficult? Or companies like yours we haven't tried to bring all everyone all by ourselves you know we were just three at the beginning and then and then and all five ten now we more than 35 team we, we couldn't bring thirty-five thousand people just by ourselves so i think what we focused on was to really partner and i'm not talking about necessary corporate partners but like to to bring the right communities and the right the right stakeholders all the, the the networks and the and the communities that we wanted to bring them at change now and to offer them a platform for them to to gain more visibility and get more traction during those three days so i think what really helped was the fact that we were a little bit pragmatic in the way that we couldn't do a lot of quantity just by being three or five or 10, but we, we could do a lot of quality. And quality, qualitative work means going to the right networks and communities, like I, I spoke about before about the Bicop movement or the Solar Impulse Foundation or the, the Ashoka movement and the, all, those, all those networks and, and, and stakeholders that, that have been in the social entrepreneurship and social impact space for so many years. We, we saw change now, not as an event, not as a summit, but more like a, as a community of community. When I think we've been, we've been very open with all of them. Hey, before you jump to the next part of this episode, one quick info. If you don't want to miss the best strategies for entrepreneurs like you, sign up for my newsletter with a link in the description. You will receive a summary of advice from each episode, get personal recommendations based on your startup stage and industry. And you will also receive my most useful growth and LinkedIn marketing strategies. Just follow the link in the description to sign up. 
Back to the next part of this interview. From the beginning, we've been able to, to, to customize and offer the platform and, and read to tell them that whatever they wanted to do at Change Now, they were free to do it. And it was a tool for them to, to be used. So it was really this notion of, of give, giving away the platform and, and showing it and, and, and sharing it. It was really about sharing Change Now with the stakeholders that can actually receive a lot of value from it. And I think this, this, this idea of sharing is really something that, that helped the summit grow uh, because they understood right away that it was a great moment for them. It was a need. It was a need for the global impact ecosystem in the world to gather every year and, and to, to get momentum so that we, we speak about it and then so that more and more people get interested into it and that more collaboration can happen. So the, I think they all understood that it was actually solving a need and by bringing the, these communities and, and around them all the, all the other communities of, of investors, journal, journalists, and, and, and media partners, I think that's, that's what made the, the source and the magic source happen. What was the hardest part about scaling up? Well, I think you take a risk, right? When you, <laughs> when you scale, when, you, when we decide to go from a place where we're bringing 2,000 people, then 5,000 people, and then we decide to 2018, to go at the Grand Palais in Paris, which is which was home to the world exhibitions in the 19th century, so it was very symbolic for us. When we decided to go there and take all the risks ourselves, I think that that was the hardest part. Which was it was a real leap, leap of faith, you know, a real leap of faith, and that that came with a lot of pressure. There was a lot of pressure on our shoulders because we were taking all the risk and. We had no idea if, if it was going to be 800 people or 10,000 or, or 40,000 people coming in the end. We had no clue. And then we ended up with a, an event in January 2020 with 28,000 people coming. Uh, it was incredible. It was so you went from 5,000 to 28,000? Yes. How does, how does that happen at that time? What, what was the minimum you were supposed to meet? And, and, and then you start to go to the partners and say, like, this is the, do you start to go more for the partners? Do you start to go more for the awareness and to bring the people there, the marketing? Or do you, do you I think it's, yeah, I mean, here it was really, there was a lot of gut feeling. We knew after what happened in Paris in 20, this was the major, this was the next wave. This was the major goal, the major transformation that the world is going to face is. It's, it's all about sustainability. We knew this, this, this was the topic of the century after the tech transformation. And we just didn't know when was it going to happen exactly and when was it going to be a, a topic that actually people care about and feel concerned about. So when we were in 2018, so we've, we've had done two editions at Station F with, yeah, first year, 2,000 people. The second year, five, a bit, a bit more than 5,000 people at Station F uh, in Paris. We're in the position where we know that Station F, which is the biggest tech accelerator, in the, uh, I think, in the world, is when we know that this venue is not big enough anymore to welcome our summit, comes the question, where, we, where do we go next? And uh, we always had that, this idea of that one day we would go to the major venue, historical venue, and the Grand Palais was the one that we, we, we thought we would go one day, but we, we, we thought at the time it would be year 10. <laughs> we, we had no clue it would be year three. And then we had a meeting with them. It was very funny because we, at the time, were not structured. We had, we had just started this business, this company. It was, there, was, there was not a lot of backing behind it, except ourselves, I mean, our three, the three founders that were dedicating just all our time and, and, and efforts on this. And then but we, we had no investors, we had no, no big, big stakeholders, uh, sponsors behind us. And, and we had this opportunity after a great meeting with the, the, the team of the Grand Palais and a great, a great fit between them and us. I think it was, I don't know why, but they felt like they could trust us, which was also a lot of quite a quite a bold a bold intuition on their on their part and i i really want to thank them again for trusting us but at the time when we we're in october 2018 I'm, I'm just coming back from my honeymoon and we're in this position where we actually have the opportunity of booking the grand palais for almost one week if you also take account of the installation and and, and the installation of the, of the summit for january 2020 so which is 14 months later we know the budget is going to be in 
but it's going to go from a couple of thousands to a few million, a few million euros. And we have to find that money. And we have no idea if we're going to find it because we're still in 2018. And as I said, it's in 2019 that things started to shift. But in 2018, we were still ahead of our times. So I think that's, that's when the, this, this, this notion of you know, leap of faith and, and, and feeling that the time has come, it's the right moment to do it. And that if we don't do it now, then we, we may never have another occasion to do it. So it was more also a notion of, of incredible missed opportunity if we don't do it. And I think also we were young and crazy. Yes, we, we, had, we had money to lose, but I think we were ready to take that risk. So we, we, we decided to, to go for it, to book the, the Grand Palais and uh, to take the risk. And then we started uh, speaking with partners, with sponsors. And uh, obviously, there was the, we had to build a business case and, and to rally them on the vision and on this great scaling because we had a few partners from the previous editions, but uh, now we were asking them a lot more money. So they had to trust us as well. Well, you know, are you sure you're going to be able to 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 get, to get people at the Grand Palais and to get enough people. And are you sure this is the right time? And so they had a lot of questions. We didn't have necessarily all the answer to those questions, but we were convinced we could do it. And uh, for, I think about six months, we had no support, nothing, uh, nothing confirmed, nothing, nothing happened. And then, as I mentioned, with Greta and the summer in, Par in Paris and in uh, Europe, September 2019 is the moment when we, we got all the, all, all the confirmations and, and the calls back. We managed to, to make it happen in the last few months, in the last few weeks, actually. Of the, it, it, it came together, in the, in the, yeah, I would say, in the, in the last mile of, the, of this race. And, and it, was, it was incredible. That moment was incredible. When we saw 28,000 people coming at the summit and, and people flabbergasted, moved. Like, you have no idea how many testimonies we had of people telling us that and we still have those testimonies every year people telling us that we're we've changed their lives like they they had social callings like they decided to change their their careers they decided they, that they were so moved by the the the, the speech the people that they, they had met and uh, the stories and the, and then and all the social entrepreneurs who felt that they were not alone anymore, that they were surrounded with all the people doing incredible things with them. And it was giving them such an incredible boost and, and a hope for the future. And I remember when we finished that, that event and we had a, our first team meeting, we were, at the time we were just eight in the team, eight to organize this, this summit in January 2020. We all cried for, for we were all like, we, we had given everything we had. We had, you know, and, and my, I actually just had my first baby and my, my, my two partners also had, uh, had a kid and were, were expecting a second one. And um, we've worked nights and days for so much time to make this happen. And we, we had given everything we had to give for it to, to happen. And I'm still very moved when, 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 I, when I speak about it. We're really trying to achieve something that was uh, stronger than, uh, than us. Um, I think uh, when, when you see the success uh, matching the vision, um, I think that's uh, incredibly, incredibly uh, powerful. And you can be proud for having pulled that, even though I, it's funny to hear how many people on this podcast, how many guests have mentioned how much Greta has done for, for, for them in terms of, of timing and helping that, um, which is a part that I would like to talk about activism, which is a perfect transition here. How do you bring together and mobilize these different groups of people with different interests? How do you manage to do that? What are the advice you have there to manage to mix properly activism with tech and corporates? Because tech and corporates is something that goes very well. But when I think about activism, since COVID, I haven't been to a single conference the past two years. I've done everything online. I'm looking forward from next year on to start going, probably to change now. I'd love to. But... All I see from events is, is what I see in documentaries where the activism usually happens outside of the events and they are you know, protesting a lot uh, at the COP, for example. How do you bring together these people with a, with a positive output? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, uh, first of all, uh, Gilles, I think it's not an option. You have to come to change now this year. <laughs> it, it's end of March for the record, <laughs> 25th to 27th of March. And uh, what's really interesting is that 
I think one of the missions that we have also is to fight polarization because uh, the polar is really preventing the system to, to shift as well. I mean, we I think we understand the position of everyone. Activists, they are, they're, they're trying to shake the system and they need, we need activists to, to shake the system and to raise the voices and, and to show that we can't go on like this. And then you've got like the people that are actually in the system, in, in a decision-making uh, situation that are not necessarily on the other end, either convinced or trying to protect the current situation, but you still need to convince these people because without them, you're not going to be able to make that shift that is much needed. And then in between those two groups, you've got a lot of people in between that are not activists, but they know that there's something to be changed. They just don't know how to do it. Or, and then people that are, that are in the system and want to shift it from the inside, because that's, that's my take on this. You need, you need one foot in it and you need one foot outside the system to, to shift it. But that's, that's system theory. That's another topic. What, what we're trying to achieve with change now is to be a, a unique moment in the year. You, you mentioned the COP. I think the COP is a moment in the, it's, it's a moment when, when that you leave depressed. You leave depressed from the COP because, as you said, you, you got the blue zone, the green zone, and then all the side events from civil society to the outside. And then you feel the frustration that actually the negotiations are not matching the expectations. And so it doesn't, doesn't work really well in terms of experience because the, the, the frustration is really, is really visible. At Change Now, on the contrary, we're trying to, to bring everyone together. And we're trying actually to build bridges between all those stakeholders. We're trying to show that the activists and the person in the system actually can find common ground together and they actually can work together. Because the confrontation is not, it doesn't work. Uh, it's not sustainable. You, you can't just fight each other all, all the year. You need to have moments in the year when, it, when you actually, you can actually meet with the other parties, meet with people that actually have dif different uh, visions and views and have different roles in the system so that actually together you actually can find solutions and, and find ways to, 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 to inspire each other and to learn from each other. And I think that that's a very important aspect for us is that we're very focused on having the right balance and to, to always stay in a position where we bring content and we bring value to the more, to the, to the activists. And we had, you know, this year we had a group of activists that actually came and, and gathered at Change Now and to prepare for the next, the next big events that they're going to participate in. And, and I think next year, what I want to do is I, I want to connect all the activists at the, at the new channel with investors that can also potentially support them financially because then one of the big issues that activists meet all year long is to have the means to run their actions. And, and that's where we're trying to support them uh, with. But you also need to be able to have content for the other stakeholders that are not experts, that are not in the, in the impact ecosystem, that don't know, don't have a clue of what it's all about, what are the stakes and what they can do. That's our role as well, because if we only bring convinced people, we're not we're not doing our mission. We need to, main, to make it mainstream. This movement needs to become mainstream. So to become mainstream, you need to bring a larger audience of experts, of convinced people, but also of stakeholders that actually are not in the impact system yet. And we use the, the position of change now, which is a unique moment in the year, very inspiring, a great experience, actually to help the people that are in, this, in the impact ecosystem to convince the people that are not in it yet. That's what I think make, makes it today's success, it, it, because it has the right balance and the right tone, and, and it has food for everyone, and it supports everyone. It supports the activists, it supports the people in the system, and it also supports the learning and, and, and the training of the stakeholders that are not in there yet. I like this idea of investors for activists, by the way. <laughs> uh, but I'm sometimes looking like looking about new ideas, ventures to 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 start. <laughs> I think that's a very interesting one. But I think what's also very important here is that you have values that you stick behind, and, and that I think I haven't been a change now. I'll be next year. 
but the the activists i cannot imagine activists being able to be in the system or able to discuss with such that's my opinion but with companies who are really not following these values so when i look at your partners i'm not going to name them here you can find them on your website but what i'm happy to see is that you don't have partners you are filtering out the partners that i think would be out of question to discuss with 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 some activists. When I see some 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 events where saying they are accelerating the green transitions and have their partners being have one from my eyes right now, you know, BP Ventures, Shell, and, and and other stuff like this. It's my pure opinion, but I really believe that it's 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 very hard to be convincing and to to start having when we know that these companies are burning so much right now and making so much profit and still burning. The, the world that it's very hard for me to to imagine that you, you can have a, a constructive discussion with them like well here you have an ecosystem that is built around values bring the people there that like with these massive corporates but which align to your values in this case and then start to have an open discussion with with activists but to be frank it's 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 a great conversation here it's it's not why Black or white. What's for sure that since the beginning we've we've excluded the oil and gas industry industry from our uh, partnerships because, it, as you mentioned, you need them to reach our goals. We need them to shift. We need them to invest in solar, in, in renewables. We need them to. We need them. So, excluding them is not the right approach in my view because it's a, it's an essential component of the system today and if you want to shoot the system you need you need to play with the stakeholders that compose it but at the same time if we associate ourselves with such companies which we know like we've seen like the, the ceo of the largest oil company in france he maintains his, his, his i would say his view that uh, as long as there are consumers there's no reason why uh, we should stop we should stop drilling so there's that's, a real life, right? That's just cool. for our audience, or audience we haven't heard that because I think it's, it was big in the French part. I don't know if it was big outside, yeah. but it's uh, you know. And I'm going to tell you that's that's a big problem. That's called a triangle of inaction. The triangle of inaction is when you have the consumers, the citizens that are blaming the lawmakers. The lawmakers are blaming the corporates, and the corporates are blaming blaming the consumers. Triangle of inaction. And here, that's exactly the case, and we've, we, we see that pretty much everywhere in the oil industry today. We know that they are investing a lot in renewables, that's, that's for sure. But we also know that they are still uh, drilling a lot, and they are, still, they are not on a, <laughs> on a Paris Agreement alignment trajectory, right? They're, the strategy is still to, 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 to fuel the, the, the demand. And, and as long as you have testimonials like that, then... I can't, as a co-founder of, of, of a platform like Change Now, I can't, I can't explain and present this as a positive change for the future. You know, it's, I'm not saying that they don't have a role to play. Apart from that, I think their role is incredibly important. But I don't think that it, it helps the mission that we're trying to, to achieve by, by associating ourselves with them. So that's why we've refused. We've, we don't work with them. But I'm not saying that they are not welcome. They are very welcome to attend change now and to uh, to come and, and learn and meet and support the stakeholders that we are showcasing. But they can't be presented uh, as uh, leaders of change. I think that's it's just a question of of finding the right role and the right positioning and the right responsibility for every partner that attends change now. And that's really what I think we're very very demanding. On is that every single partnership is unique at Change Now. We don't have any kind of uh, uh, pre-done packages or anything like that. It's we always adapt whatever our partnerships we decide to, to run and to uh, our, uh, to create with a with a new company. We always adapt it to what the company is concretely concretely doing on the ground, its ambitions and its uh, its credibility. How can we influence the system? So we, we mentioned that this is the last part I wanted to, to, to discuss with you. You said you had nice examples in education and, and sports. How can we, how can you influence? Yeah, uh, I think that's a very important topic. Uh, 
I've done a lot of reading on the system change. And what I see today is that the two main factors of, of change, it's not voluntary action. Voluntary action, in my, in my view, doesn't work. If you take all those coalitions or pledges around by, by organizations that are counting on the good faith of, of, of a big community of, of stakeholders, what we've seen so far is that actually it doesn't work. It's not, it's not bringing the change that, that is necessary and, and at, at the speed that we need. What's working on the other end is actually when you find the right incentives to shift the system. And the two main incentives are social pressure and, and financial incentives. Financial incentives is what's happening in the finance world with the ESG ratings that are helping basically stakeholders that are greener, to get access to more capital. And that's something that we've done. And I think our latest initiative is really to actually to the sports industry. It's, it has the power to drive positive change in the world, but it's also very late to the topic of climate change. It's, we've seen that in Qatar, we've seen that in, with the World Cup, we've seen that with quite a few large events, past events that are not sending the right signal. And that's just not okay. I think when you have a, a billion people watching your competition, you need to show exemplarity on climate change in 2023. So we've been thinking about, you know, how do we make the system shift, a sports system shift? And I think the main, the main incentive is, is here, it's financial. And the sports system works the same way that Change Now works, which is through sponsors, such as competitions, events, sponsors for federations, for clubs, and so on and so forth. So we decided to launch an using the, the influence of sponsors that are already on a perisaline trajectory, carbon reduction trajectory, and, to use, and that are already sponsoring the sports world. Hey, just a 10 second break to tell you. I just released a free video presentation to explain the three key strategies I use to get 7,500 change makers to follow me on LinkedIn and to reach more than 1 million people this year with my posts. It's free. Just follow the link in the description to download it. So the four companies that we actually managed to uh, get on board are um, Orange and Sodexo. So they are big sponsors in the sport industry, sponsors of the PSG, for example, or Roland Garros, the Tour de France, um, the French Football Federation, and other, other international competitions. And we've got them to commit that by 2025, they will sponsor only organizations in the sports system that are themselves committing to reducing their emissions at a perisaline pace with a third-party certification body. That's also very innovative and that, that actually got a lot of traction in the sports system. We got a lot of media visibility and we know that it's actually really contributing to shifting the mindsets because we, we with this tool, what we're saying is that we're not saying it's, it's just a, a threat. What we're saying is actually a tool for the CSR heads of the major sporting uh, organizations to convince their boards and their decision makers that if actually they make the necessary steps to reduce their emissions, they would be better funded. That's what this initiative is doing. So we are align, aligning the financial incentives with the carbon incentives. And I think that's what we've done in the sports system. We've, we've also done, done it in the education system. What we've done in the education system was create a new ranking system for the, for the schools, the engineering schools and, and the business schools. So the pilot, the pilot was in France, but we're bringing this uh, initiative in other markets now. And the idea was to create a new ranking of the best engineering and, and, and business schools to change the world. And the idea was to, to, to shift the, the list of criteria that we use in the in most rankings, you know, that you can find in the Economist or Financial Times, Challenge or many other media. Usually the, the criteria historically have always been linked to the reputation of the school, the average salary when you exit the school and, and other topics related to the prestige of the academia and the, and the quality of the, of the classes. Here what we've done is that we've only analyzed how the school is training the, its current students on the goals and on the major challenges of the century. So the environmental and social issues of the 20th, 21st century. So 
how much research is done by the school, how many courses are made, how eco-responsible is the campus, how inclusive is it, how engaged in life, how many alumni work in the ecosystem, and a list of 50 criteria. And we've, with, with the support of Blazico, we've actually launched a new ranking two years ago, the ranking of the best schools to change the world. And, and this made a lot of noise as well. And it was a very, very interesting because obviously the best historically ranked schools didn't want to uh, necessarily to, to, uh, to go along, to play along because it's, it's actually you're, you're shaking the, you, you yeah. <laughs> shaking the, the establishment. But, you know, one by one, the, the school started to actually respond to our questionnaire and, and uh, now all of them, my friends, are actually participating to this ranking, to this initiative. And it's, it's, it has become, I think, one of the rankings that the schools are following the more closely because all the students, they are using it to, to denounce or to put pressure on the school or... And it's really, it's really, it's, it's actually really helping, really helping the schools reevaluate the, the weight that they put on those topics. And I think we're helping them as well make the necessary shift. And we've also helped the other rankings to adapt their criteria list and to change it a little bit so that they integrate more ESG criteria in the way they rank schools today. That's how you, sh you, you shift the system. Those are two concrete examples. We've got more in line and more in, in more in our heads, but that's that's also the role we, we like to play. Is that we have this this platform now, this this unique summit in the year, which is which is obviously what what you now is known for. But in the years to come, we're definitely going to use this position and this asset to influence more and more the the way the laws that are made, decisions that are made by economic and political leaders. And, and also to, to help drive more and more capital in the, in the, in the ecosystem. This is what we're aiming for. And I, I spoke a little bit about that at the, at the beginning, but while the vision at the beginning was to, to create a, a summit for the, the businesses so that to, to get them engaged and to contribute to the responsabilization of the business community and to help the business world address those issue, issues more concretely, and also to support the solutions to scale this i think now we're more in a place where the event is, is an asset but the vision behind it is really to to use it as a, as a moment as a tool to to shift uh, markets and to change markets and systems uh in all the sectors in all the regions of the world and to be that that kind of very influence renting uh, stakeholders stakeholder in the um, in the world when it comes to environmental um, and social change. So that's, that's really what we are looking ahead for. It's the influence we can have to shift the system. It's more than an event. What book or one podcast that you would recommend our, our audience to, to read or listen to? Rather, rather than a book, I would, I would talk about two topics I think that people should read a lot about, a lot more about. One is, I think, regenerative agriculture, because I, th I think that agriculture is a major component and success factor for the, for the world. If we want to make the necessary shift and to reach our, our global goals, the way we eat and the way we treat our soils is going to be fundamental. And today, regenerative agriculture is still very niche. It needs, it needs to scale. So we need to find ways not only to, to feed ourselves in a more healthy manner, that's the, the organic movement, but we need also to find ways to take more care about the soils because if the soils die, we're not, we're not going to have land anymore to, to feed ourselves. And also when it comes to the carbon sequestration and its ability as well to, uh, to, to help also companies and stakeholders, societies absorb a lot of the carbon that is emitted, I think it's a really, really key topic and area to be, to be in today. But it's also very close. There's a lot of inertia in this, in this sector. There's a lot of laws that need to be changed. There's a lot of subsidies that need to shift. There's a lot of mindsets that need to be shift, shifting. There's a lot of support that we need for our agricultures. 
and the business model has not been proven yet. So we need very, very intelligent minds and, 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 and people to think about this problem because it's really key. And I think reading about that is, is, is very important. And the second one I would say is about artificial intelligence. I think that's also a topic. I'm not sure people really, really realize how much the super intelligences that are coming, that are going to come to market by 2030. ChatGPT was just the first. It's a small, it's a small preview. But what's, what's coming ahead is it's going to change a lot of things. And I have a lot of questions when it comes to a world where robots and machines can train themselves and become intelligent and men and actually in a world where they don't necessarily need us. I don't want to be pessimistic, but I have questions about the world where you where artificial intelligence is going to be in 20, by 2050. And I'm not sure people realize that uh, the ethics, the, the ethics decisions we take today to control this evolution are critical. And yes, that's also a topic that I'm, uh, I'm, I'm very, I feel very curious about right now. I have a lot of questions and doubts, and I think people need to read more about it because it's very opaque at the moment. It's very, it's also quite complex. So I would encourage you to read more about it as well. What is one thing you could tell us about you that I would not be able to find online? I hope a lot of things, <laughs> precisely for the point that, that I just made before. The fun fact would be uh, that I'm very competitive and that whenever we play games during our seminars, or I, I tend to be overly competitive, and which is exactly the contrary of what we're trying to, to showcase at the summit and that collaboration prevails over competition. But I think when it comes to games, and I can be a little bit overreacting. <laughs> cool. Thank you very much for sharing that. So. Change Now is happening 25th, 26th, and 27th of March, 2024 in Paris. Uh, people can find you at changenow.world. Yeah. Do you have anything else you want to ask the audience? Well, I, I hope that you, you will come at the summit this year, 25th, 26th, 27th of March in Paris. And if I would be very curious to hear your feedbacks from this, this experience that you you'll be having at the summit this year. And I hope it's up to your expectations. That would be my question is, if you attend, if you come at Change Now this year, was it, was it up for your expectation and did, did I sell it well? <laughs> Good. Where can people find you, contact you? You can find me on LinkedIn very easily and otherwise contact at changenow.world. I'll get the memo. We'll share that in the notes of the episodes. Thank you very much for your time today, Kevin. That was super insightful. I wish you a great day and I'll definitely see you next year at Change Now. Great, thanks, Jill. Hey, if today's episode was useful, share it with your entrepreneur's friends so that we can all have a bigger impact on this planet and give it a five star on Apple Podcasts. That will make my day. Thanks so much in advance. Have a nice day.